Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Katie G, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Wednesday, July 9th, 2014. Today, we are reading from the big book, Alcoholics Anonymous, and we are on page 90, beginning with the second paragraph, if there is any indication. Today's readers are the 12 steps of OA is Cassandra, the 12 traditions of OA is Elizabeth D, and our readers of the text are Michelle H, Deb W, and Penny C. The reference number for yesterday, July 9th, is 6622. That is 6622. COA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. And I will now ask Cassandra to please read the 12 steps of Overeaters Anonymous. Cassandra? Good morning, visionaries. This is Cassandra H., a compulsive overeater from Georgia. The 12 steps of Overeater Anonymous are, we admit we are powerless over food, that our lives have become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrong. Six, we were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take a personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us 
and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we try to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thanks, and I pass. Thanks, Cassandra. And I will now ask Elizabeth D. to please read the 12 Traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. Good morning, everyone. It's Elizabeth D. in Ohio, a recovered compulsive overeater. The 12 Traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous, except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever nonprofessional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you, Elizabeth. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book, Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you please keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone, except the speakers, should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the big book, Alcoholics Anonymous. On page 90, we're going to begin with the second paragraph, if there is any indication. And I will now ask Michelle H. to please get us started. Michelle? 
Good morning, Katie G. Thanks for your service, and good morning all on the line. Michelle H., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Missouri. If there is any indication that he wants to stop, have a good talk with the person most interested in him, usually his wife. Get an idea of his behavior, his problems, his background, the seriousness of his condition, and his religious leanings. You need this information to put yourself in his place to see how you would like him to approach you if the tables were turned. Sometimes it is wise to wait till he goes on a binge. The family may object to this, but unless he is in a dangerous physical condition, it is better to risk it. Don't deal with him when he is very drunk unless he is ugly and the family needs your help. Wait for the end of the spree, or at least for a lucid interval. Then let his family or a friend ask him if he wants to quit for good and if he would go to any extreme to do so. If he says yes, then his attention should be drawn to you as a person who has recovered. You should be described to him as one of the fellowship who, as part of their own recovery, try to help others and who will be glad to talk to him if he cares to see you. And so, yes, here we are. Um, working with others. Uh, here we are, having had a spiritual awakening, trying to carry this message to those who still suffer, and and we're given directions. And so um, those experienced recovered people um, are giving me guidance here, and they're saying, you know, what what's the wise thing to do? Where's the wisdom that they've learned from their experience of helping others? And and they're telling us, they're telling me that you know. After someone has gone on a binge um, but is lucid, coming out from under the anesthesia, is a good time for this person to be approached and, and to find out if this person is ready to quit for good and, and is ready now to go to any extreme. And from my experience, um, being on the other side, being approached by someone, that's exactly where I was when I was willing. I had just come off of a binge and was feeling the remorse and the, and the despair and seeing my powerlessness and seeing one more um, attempt on my own fail. And, um, and it was during a lucid moment that I heard my sponsor, who had been speaking the truth to me for several months, and I had been in program for a while, and, and I was ready. I was teachable. I was at a place of humility. And so I'm understanding from my point of view, being on that side, um, why this is wise and why it was wise. It was helpful for me. And so I, I've learned that when I'm working with others, that now I'm thinking of them and what is wise and what is best. How can I be of service and, and best? Um, how can I be used best by my higher power to carry the message? And often it has been um, when I have approached someone, um, I have been there when they have just come off of a bench and they're they're finding that um, they're desperate, that their ways, just like my ways, didn't work, and they're ready. They're now ready to go to any extreme. And it was during those times when they were ready and they were sharing um, their experiences and what they have tried and failed that I was able to share with them, yeah, you know, um, <clears throat> I understand. I've tried all those things too, and this was the only thing that worked for me. And so that's when I was ready to go to any extreme, any extreme to be stopped for good. And I was so grateful that there was a recovered person who was there, available, 
willing to carry the message. And um, so it is wise. Um, this is from their experience and um, from the experience of those who are recovered that this can be a teachable moment when a person has reached a place where they know they're powerless, there's some humility there, and that the, um, you know, that I am there to be of service if I could carry this message to those who still suffer, that I'll pass. Thank you, Michelle. And who would like to comment this morning on what we just read, the, um, that second paragraph, please? We will focus our comments. Anita L. from Philadelphia. Sure, Anita. Good morning. Please go ahead. Good morning, everybody. Thank you. Uh, I just wanted to share that I had this experience uh, last night exactly with um, someone in the program. And, um, you know, I said to her, are you really ready to stop the eating? I said, I know we say it is one day at a time. However, the truth of the matter is I have a disease. I have an allergy of the body. And if I take that substance into my my system, then it's going to react, and either immediately or eventually, I'm going to continue the eating. And unless I have an entire psychic change, I'm not going to be able to stop because I can't stop on my own will. I, I tried so, so, so many years and could never do it. And when I was uh, younger... My dad used to say, you know, just have some willpower, and I felt like a failure and all that. So when I learned, when I came into OA, that it was a disease, it kind of was a relief that I really wasn't a failure. And so um, I'm I'm grateful today, today for that. However, I did say to this person, you know, so are you really ready? Are you not only ready to go to any length, but are you willing to go to every length, every length, in order to recover? I said, I said to her, I'm not trying to toot my own horn. However, I did tell people today, uh, on, let's see, uh, yesterday was Tuesday. So on Monday, I told people I wouldn't be available on Tuesday because it was a very emotional day for me yesterday, and I knew I wouldn't be available uh, spiritually. I didn't think I would be anyway. However, I found myself wanting to call people and wanting to let them know that I was thinking of them. And, you know, it wasn't to make me feel better. It was to let them know that they were being cared about. And then, in turn, I did feel better because here I thought that I wouldn't be available yet because I've become transformed, because I'm a recovered compulsive overeater and food addict today, I was able to think of others more than myself. And um, and I, you know, I asked God what pages 86 and 87 say in the morning, you know, to please uh, direct my thinking, God, and divorce me from self-pity, dishonesty, and self-seeking motives. And so I didn't get into self-pity yesterday. I didn't have to. And so I said that to this woman, and and I said, when you're ready to stop the eating, call me back. Because that's what it says, that we don't waste time on the people who 
aren't really ready to do the action. You know, I said, are you ready to do the action? Because that's how we're going to get well. And yesterday I took a lot of action, even through my difficult day, and I feel grateful for that. So thank you, everybody, for listening, and I pass. Thank you. Have a good day. Thank you, Anita. And this is KG, and I just wanted to comment really quickly, recovered compulsive overeater. I think for me, you know, when I was um, in a horrible, horrible relapse, um, you know, I just, I wasn't, I didn't know um, how to do anything. Um, and I got to the point where, you know, I couldn't go to work and I, I was in a relationship I didn't belong in and I wasn't managing my money and everything had to be taken away from me to say, okay, whatever. Like, you know, and um, I didn't realize what I was promising. Like, I didn't realize what it meant to live, what it means to live on the firing line with God. I didn't realize that putting down the food would mean, you know, for me, I had to have an entire psychic change revolutionary in order to sustain abstinence. Like, I just wanted to get off the merry-go-round, H-E-L-L, of my addictive eating. And I wanted to, you know, I wanted my life to start coming back together in the way I thought it would. You know, but until I, I just, I had to, I guess I just wanted to say, if you're really badly mangled and you're wondering all the extremes you need to go to, for me, what worked the most was just knowing all of the extremes that I had gone to to manage this, both in my eating days and then in abstinence, trying to manage my life and nothing was working. And I was devastated by the, by the bag and then I was devastated by my selfishness without eating. You know, and today, what a privilege it is to be one of these fellowships that it is my primary purpose to stay clean and to help others. That connection that I get every day that I talk to a sponsor and a sponsee and women in this program about how they're connecting to God or how they're not connecting to God and how we stay connected to God, it is so amazing. And it is the most vital uh, aspect of my my life that that God breathes back into me. Like sometimes I'll call people and I'll just be like, you know, relieve me of the bondage of self because I'm done thinking, you know, I'm done trying to figure this out. And I just want to say to you, like, we have this fellowship and God helps us create the fellowship we crave. And it's like for the first time in my life, I have a place no matter what happens, job, relationship, no matter what happens, I have a place to go where I belong not only because of the problem, but because you guys help me remember this most vital solution to get clean, get out of myself, die to selfishness, and help others. And what a privilege. Thank you, God, every day that I get the privilege to do this. And with that, I do pass, and I want to welcome people to continue sharing on this um, third paragraph, please. This is... Can I share? Larry? Bella, I did hear you, and I heard Larry, but did I hear? I heard one voice before Bella. Was that Sarah? Lois. Lois? Lois? Good morning. Yes. Okay, so I have Lois, Bella, and Larry. And before we get started, Lois, was there anyone else that I missed? Great. Okay, that's our lineup, folks, so far. Lois, Bella, and Larry. Okay. Thank you, everyone. Good morning. This is Lois uh, M. in Massachusetts. 
and I'm a very grateful uh, compulsive overeater recovered to be here today and listening in and reading this paragraph and 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 thanking you know thanking God for uh, being on the the other side of this. Um, and if you're new today, you know you're very very lucky that this is a wonderful opportunity for you to begin to understand. I was thinking about when when we were reading that um, my first OA meeting, the very first OA meeting I went to years ago, you know, and I was living in the in on I was living the merry-go-round of hell as well. And I went to an OA meeting. Somebody said that this is what I do, a, a friend, and I said, well, I don't think I'm a compulsive overeater, but. I'm going. So I went to this meeting, and and I listened, and I certainly didn't um, jump right in and identify. But I did. T- I wanted. I I wanted relief, and I had this brochure. I believe it might have been the twelve questions, and I brought it home and I read it, avid, you know, very intently, intensely, and I filled it out and I talked to my husband and I said, read this, and he read it and he said, you're not, a, you're not a compulsive overeater. And I said very angrily, I said, I don't care. I'm going anyway. And thanks be to God that I continued to go, you know, and I continued to understand and, and to uh, identify instead of finding ways that to, to uh, identify out. I didn't want to be labeled a compulsive overeater. But that was just the beginning of God's grace for me. And, um, and to this day, from, from that day forward, it was much of a struggle, of course. But, you know, I, the best thing I ever did was I kept going and I kept, I had the gift of desperation. I was a drowning man and I needed relief. And that was the only show in town. And I thank be to God that I kept going and I kept trying and I, you know, I had to, I had to learn. I had to learn that I alone cannot do that. I had to learn listening to the, um, to the big book step study way. I had to understand that I had a disease. I had an allergy of your body, which produces an obsession of the mind and uh, no power on earth could relieve that except I, I had needed a God or a higher power in my life, which they showed me exactly how to do. And because I was desperate and willing to go to any lengths, I continued to do it imperfectly. But then finally, you know, I, God's grace entered me and I was able to do it and, and I was able to receive and work the steps and receive a, a spiritual experience and, and have my uh, life transformed so that I was able to, first of all, find peace for myself and then I was able to give it to others. So I'm just going to... Uh, Say once again how thankful, and if you're new and you're coming back and you're on this line today, you're very, very, you know, you're very lucky. So keep coming back, and with that, I'm going to pass. Thank you for your service, Katie. Thank you, Lois. And Bella. Good morning. Thank you, Katie. My name is Bella, and I'm a thankful recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, Katie, for doing this service, and thank you very much, everybody on the line. Such a beautiful paragraph, and I will talk about uh, don't deal with him when he is very drunk. Such a beautiful, powerful sentence. Yes, before the program, you know, I wanted to feed my ego. I wanted to show people I am better than you. I am a teacher. I am better than you. You, I want you should think and behave and believe exactly the way 
I am, exactly the way I want, and if not, only to blame and to judge. And thank you, God. It's a present for me that I am in the program. And I know, don't deal with him when he is very drunk. Yes, I am not here to judge somebody. I don't have a license to be a judge. I am here to give over the message of God. And I am, you know, when a person is drunk, when a person is still with a binge, you know, I am not better than him. I am just sick. I was sick as that person. That person is sick. It doesn't mean that I am smarter than him. It doesn't mean that I am better than him. It doesn't mean that he is lower than me. It means that he is sick and he needs to be recovered. And it's such a beautiful thing that to go out for my self-centered, to, be, to go out from my, my manipulative way that everybody has to think and believe and act the way I am. Thank you, God, not anymore. You know, and to wait till that person is ready to hear my recovery. My, my job now is to pass over my experience strength and hope. And if you want to to share with me, very good. I am you are very welcome. But know that I am better and know that I am more than you. And it's a wonderful freedom. It's a wonderful feeling. Thank you for letting me share and I pass. Thanks, Bella. And Larry, please go ahead. Thanks, Katie. Um Larry recovered compulsive reader from Chicago. Um, so, you know, again, we're, we're in the chapter on working with others. So they're, they're giving us, um, they're giving us kind of a plan, uh, and a way to go about this, you know, to be most effective here. And, you know, and it's, it's, it's really all about when I think about it, you know, today it's, it's all about how can I be of maximum service to, to God? So if there's first, if there's any indication he wants to stop. And, and sometimes this could be tricky, you know. None of us got here on a winning streak. Um, I know I didn't. Boy, it was a major losing streak for me. And so, you know, it probably would have been hard for someone else to discern if I really wanted to stop. But we try our best to do that. You know, I remember um, that always that, that God, you know, is in charge of, of all of this. And that helps me to stay focused, that my higher power is in charge of all this. And that person, you know, you know, the, their higher power, their understanding is in charge of this. Um, I don't think for a minute that I got to the rooms. Uh, I just uh, found myself uh, in uh, Naperville, Illinois, you know, in, in the rooms one day. You know, um, I reflect back now with all that's happened to me. I got there. There was a reason. But I need, you know, what it talks about here is, you know, so we try to find out all we can about this person. And, um, you know, if um, it doesn't happen to me too often, but if, um, because I, I do talk to a lot of people over the phone, and but when I meet people in person, if there is a significant other and I have the opportunity to find out, uh, you know, more about that person, I'm going to do it. Absolutely. Um, that 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 doesn't always happen, 
but I need to empathize with this person. So I'm going to try to find out all I can about them. Um, I need to know the seriousness of his condition. You know, uh, again, when when I got here, um, I I still thought my condition was somewhat manageable, and we can discern that in talking and getting to know about that person. We can we can gain some understanding to see if uh, if they truly want to stop. You know, over time in program, you know, my creator has taught me that, that I'm I'm not Mother Teresa. You know, I'm not a saint here. You know, um, I'm not here to save the world. The question that is always on my mind is a very simple one. It says, how can I be of maximum service to my fellows? So every morning I ask God to allow me to help the man and woman who still suffers in this disease. You know, God knows what's in my heart. I want to help the man and woman who still suffers in this disease. Of course, there's only 24 hours in the day, but I do the best I can. And so I try to get an idea about their behavior, their their background, the seriousness of his condition. Um, it, you know, if, if I'm working more intensely with them, of course, I'm going to learn a bit about their religious meanings. Um, I need this information to 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 you know so that I can empathize. I can place myself in their shoes. You know, see how they would like to be approached. And and by seeing how they'd like to be approached doesn't mean that um, I change the practical program of action. That's written in stone here. That's what got me well. What it means is I want to see, um, you know, you know that maybe I'm not the right sponsor for them. You know, maybe my approach is too gentle. Maybe, you know, someone else is more, you know, everyone has a, has a different style. We are all human beings, you know, created a certain way. That's why I want to know some of those things. So anyways, um, it's good direction and uh, it's been very helpful, to, you know, very helpful to me. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Larry. And would anyone else like to comment with this uh, third paragraph? Hannah. Hannah, go ahead. Leah. Okay. Hannah and Leah, did I miss anybody? Rabia. Hannah, Leah, and Rabia. Anybody else? Great. That's our lineup. We'll start with Hannah, Leah, and Rabia. Hannah, please go ahead. Good morning. I'm Hannah. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Colorado. Um, as always, thank you for the meeting. <laughs> it's nice. It's a little after five here, and the sun's coming up. And you know, today, I mean, I've been abstinent for a number of years, and I still you know, can't, the idea of quitting forever is is not, I can say, I will go to any length today to maintain my abstinence. I know that, and I intend to do it tomorrow, but I, for me, I need to stay in today. And that's how I work with others, because my experience is, um, People can and say and and do say, "Oh yeah, absolutely, I'm ready," and and I have no idea if they're ready or not. I I just what I've found is I offer that this is what works for me. That I, yes, I've had this problem with food. This is what works for me. This is the only thing that works for me. Would you like to go to a meeting? Um, 
and and that's 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 a different situation I find than meeting someone in a meeting who's looking for a sponsor and when I sit down to actually sponsor someone I make it clear that this is this is a, a real commitment <laughs> but I I had the experience of, of it was a, a, a privilege really to to take a neighbor of mine to her first meeting on Sunday, um, and I was actually I was really surprised that she wanted to go. You know, I've known her for a while, and I've heard her struggle with food, and wondered, is it time to say something? And this past Friday, as I was listening to her, the answer was clear: it's time to say something. Um, and so I did, and. I don't sponsor friends, so I'm I'm leaving her to find her own way to 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 sort out what she wants to do. Um, and and the meeting people welcomed her, and and she had points of identification, and it it's a really um, It's an interesting place for me, and this is part of the the anonymity of the twelfth tradition to 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 know she's going to make her own choices in her own relationship with her own higher power um, and I've been an instrument I've showed up when it was right to show up and I'm still here. I will be here for her. Um, but I can't I can't make her want the program. So I'm I'm I feel particularly grateful to have had this experience to to take someone to her first meeting. Thanks. Thank you, Hannah and Leah. Please go ahead. Thank you so much, Katie G, for your service. There's a lot in this paragraph that we're studying this morning. Um, sometimes it is wise to wait till he goes on a binge. I mean, isn't that interesting <laughs> that a book that was designed uh, to take us out of the pit of hell, you know, is actually encouraging us uh, to allow someone to go on a binge, you know, to wait. Uh, till he goes on a binge. That's not the first time that the big book uh, stresses this suggestion. You know, uh, earlier in the text and more about alcoholism, it, it also encourages us. It doesn't say don't drink. You know, it says try to drink. <laughs> Step into the nearest bar room and, and try to drink. And then try to stop abruptly. And it will be worth a bad case of the jitters to get a full knowledge of your condition. Again, the same kind of attitude is here. Sometimes it is wise to wait till he goes on a binge. Why is that? Because willingness is a one-person job. <laughs> you know, uh, as a sponsor, I, I cannot do that internal work for a person. Step one is not a feel-good step, but it is the bedrock upon which all the other steps are built. So it is most necessary. 
So this is not a feel-good step for somebody because the purpose of it is to empty out any residual notion that my prospect actually has any power within herself to help or heal herself. So, you know, when a prospect is dredging the bottom and they realize there's nothing there, they are beginning to do step one. And and that's something that has to happen for them, you know, uh, separate from me. All I can do is kind of love them on the sidelines and, and be willing to uh, be a lantern to light up the pathway here. You know, it says wait for the end of the spree or at least for a lucid interval. Then let his family or friend ask him if he wants to quit for good and if he would go to any extreme to do so. Very specific language here about the willingness to, uh, you know, to to surrender. You know, and and this is just such an individual process. I mean, against all odds, I was supposed to self-destruct. I did not know what I was up against. I did not know the depth to which this disease would take me, but it grabbed me by the roots of my hair and it dragged me around for a long time. Uh, At least it felt that way. And, you know, a sponsor is there to light up the pathway as a way out. It says, uh, if he says yes and his attention should be drawn to you as a person who has recovered that, you know, we no longer have to live this way. You don't have to live this way. So, you know, a sponsor is able and should aim to produce a crisis. How could I produce a crisis for somebody else when I'm working with them? By relating the seriousness of my own experience. By relating the, the experience and the seriousness of the way I used to live. By doing that, that language of the heart turns the screws on somebody. So it's not that I'm trying to convince them. It's that by relaying my own experience, remember, I've, I've asked information about my sponsee. I, the more information I have, the more effective I can be. If I know they have a little tendency towards bulimia, then I can share the stories of my bulimic tendencies. If I know they have a a tendency towards another uh, facet of this disease, then I can share that because perhaps I've experienced that as well. So the more specific I can get, then the more opportunities I'm giving somebody to identify in. And by relaying the seriousness of my experience and the heat of my personal hell, that turns the screws on somebody else, not by me forcing them to recover, not by me shoving their face into these pages and expecting them to do something to which they're not ready, but just their own experiences. And by sharing, you know what, I no longer live this way. And this, these steps is, is, is uh, about the raising of the dead. How do you explain someone like me who is totally enslaved by compulsive overeating who could rise up out of a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body? And that occurred as a result of these steps because we have recovered that is why we can say these kind of things. This isn't the common experience, but is 
our common experience, that after engaging in this process, having had a spiritual awakening, having been restored to sanity, having soundness of mind, having been relieved of the obsession, we are now freed from the beast, and we can finally, for me personally, uh, after a couple of decades of, of madness and mayhem, walk this planet as a free woman. And that is why this big book says we have recovered and have been given the power to help others <coughs> forth, but at, by love and tolerance. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Leah. And Rabia, please go ahead. Good morning, everyone. This is Rabia. I am a recovered compulsive overeater from New York, and uh, I am grateful for all the wisdom and everyone being on the line. Um, so I'll speak from my uh, very uh, brief, newly recovered experience, and um, the and all the sick and suffering in the rooms of OA. Uh, so I don't have to look any further to be of service, and um, and and people are already uh, at my face-to-face meetings because uh, they are identifying as. Compulsive overeaters, and somewhere in the first step. So, um, I love the precise instructions of this big book. I have been in OA for decades, and and this is the, every single thing I need to know about being a big book guide and help being of loving service to someone is in this big book, and it's being revealed to me more and more. So. I know for for me, I absolutely had to have the gift of desperation, and and my convinces were food and fat, and I was once more up going up the scale of with food and fat, and and so I was willing to go to any lengths, and I know what that feels like. So so now when someone approaches me in the rooms and. You know, I, the first thing I say to her is, is this a lucid moment? Um, how long ago was it since you had a binge, since you ate your addictive substances? And and all I need to know really is, do you have the gift of desperation? What is your gift of desperation in this moment? You know, I, I, are you willing to do the work it's going to take? And really all I have to offer is that, um, I am recovered. It took me seven weeks to be recovered, and it was intensive care. I cleared my calendar. I absolutely did all this daily work every single day, and now I have uh, neutrality with food, and I'm living in 10, 11, and 12, and and it's so beautiful and so peaceful and it's so serene, and I've never had this freedom from food before. And and do, are you willing to do this work? Because it's going to be a very intense six or seven or eight weeks. And and I'm willing to set aside this time for you if this is what you're willing to do. And 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 really, I don't spend a lot of time in getting to know them or their eating history because more will be revealed in working through this book. And and my understanding, their eating behaviors um, is in part of of their solution, they're going to find their own God in working through all these pages of this big book, and they're going to have their own God experience, and that's going to be their solution. I'm just here to guide them through the big book, chapter by chapter, paragraph by paragraph, as I've been guided through it, and the rest is up to God. 
um, their God, my God, um, me showing up every day to do loving service, me taking care of myself and my abstinence and my meditation and my prayer so that I can be available to be um, dependable and show up to do this loving service that was so freely and lovingly done for me. So it's it's very precise. And uh, anyway, I don't want to keep going on. I think I'm over my time. I forgot to tell myself, but God bless all of us. Thank you. I pass. Thanks, Rabia. And I'd like to ask Deb W. to pick us up where the reading left off on the bottom of page 90, please. Okay. This is Deb W., Oklahoma Recovered Compulsive Eater. Can you hear me? I can, Deb. Please go ahead. All right. If he does not want to see you, never force yourself upon him. Neither should the family hysterically plead with him to do anything, nor should they tell him much about you. They should wait for the end of his next drinking bout. You might place this book where he can see it in the interval. Here, no specific rule can be given. The family must decide these things, but urge them not to be over-anxious, for that might spoil matters. Okay. So I just wanted to hone in on the uh, place. uh, It says they should wait for the end of his next drinking bout. And for for those of us who are recovered, um, and myself, I am exposed to the people on the line uh, who are asking for help. There's many on the line asking for help. So that is, they're usually a, probably like me, one on the line after the the last drinking bout. And, and those in the rooms of OA um, are the ones uh, that in my rooms where I'm from uh, have had the the problem of the uh, disease, and so they're looking for help. So that's where the sources are. But what's really important is to not be over-anxious because, you know, we have passion. I found a passion I never had before when I got on the line of the vision for you. And yet I have to remember that I am in, um, I must be placed in a very, sensitive um, uh, place for those that are in need so that I don't get overzealous and make uh, turn a person off from the message that I have been given uh, through recovery. It makes me think of uh, three examples um, of people that uh, are in need. And I, I know one girl that I worked with for years uh, really obese and uh, became a friend. And I told her about the program over several times over years. And finally, she went to a meeting. She came to the meeting and she cried the whole meeting. But she never spoke about it again um, after the meeting. And it wasn't for me to go and approach her again. I didn't feel led. Uh, that's a decision. It's an innermost self decision that a person has to make. I had to make it. And then I think about the girl who just the other day I was in the meeting who has been the faithful carrier of the key who leads many, many meetings, and she's obese. And what she tells uh, when it comes to her sharing, and especially, you know, after I share and try to hold myself down when I'm sharing because I'm so passionate about the wanting to share the recovery, 
what she said identifies is that she doesn't do sugar. Uh, I don't do sugar, and I'm grateful for that. But uh, I haven't. I, I'm not. I don't work a perfect program, but and hopefully one day. And this woman walks around uh, with bad knees and the weight uh, on her body, uh, dragging around, uh, holding on to all she can have is the recovery from the sugar. And I, it makes me wonder what sugar she's speaking of. Because I remember in the rooms we were happy to be recovered from refined sugar. Well, I know better today uh, sugar appears in other ways. But then there's the girl who's calling me from the face-to-face meetings, uh, who's wanting to know more about Vision for You, who is, I've given the number, I know several times, who asked me the other day would I sponsor her. It has to come from within me. You know, I I mean, yeah, I, it has to come from within me. I have to be in need. Uh, people can lay it out there to me, but I have to reach out. And I have to reach out to a power greater than me. And then as a sponsor, I can walk alongside this person who has reached out and, and be a guide. And I just want to thank you for uh, letting me share. Thanks, Deb. And who would like to comment for three minutes on what we just read? This is Amy. Amy, please go ahead. Good morning. My name is Amy. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Maryland. Thank you for service, and thank you for everyone who shared. If he does not want to see you, never force yourself upon him. Neither should the family hysterically plead with him to do anything. You know, I have found in my experience with sponsoring that when I feel like I am forcing an issue, that uh, that it's usually I stray from what is the agenda of carrying the message and the instructions in the first 164 pages of this book. And I'm trying to fix the person and heal them and get them to the land of recovered. And so when I am forcing it, I know when I am anxious, and when I'm trying to force something that someone is not getting or not ready to hear or not ready to receive, then I am, in, I am in essence taking, you know, what is God's message and trying to make it mine. My sponsor made it very clear to me that this is not my message. It is my experience that helps the person identify, but it is the message of the big book. It's not Amy's message. It's the clear instructions that are given and this first 164 pages of how to work this recovery program to become recovered, that the solution is in here, and that my job is to only, you know, lay this kit of spiritual tools, as they say in the big book, at their feet. It is their job to make that decision to pick it up and to work it. I am only the messenger. I can only be the messenger. I give the message, and I let God, my higher power, take care of the rest, work with them, do whatever that, that is supposed to happen. But I can't continue to force an issue on someone who is not willing, not ready, or not wanting to work it, no matter how much they say they might want to be. And I have to constantly remember that as soon as I start to force the issue, then I am doing something that I am not supposed to be doing as a sponsor. My job is to solely carry the message to, uh, you know, explain my experience, strength, and hope, what it was like, what happened, what it's like now, and then the instructions in this manual. I go no further than that. 
because I get in trouble when I do, and I'm doing a disservice to the person that I am sponsoring. They have to come to that decision themselves. I let the disease do the persuading, and then I carry the message after that, that I can't do more than that. I am solely the messenger of what these instructions are. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks, Amy. And who else would like to comment on what was read? Lauren. Lauren, please go ahead. Thank you. All right. Lauren from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, a recovered compulsive reader. Here in the text, they're given two examples of like we just shared, that alcohol, that the drug that got us into the rooms is the final persuader. In my case, it is refined sugars and refined fats. Those separate myself from my fellows because my mind doesn't shut up when I ingest them. When it says, if he does not want to see you, never force himself, never force yourself upon him. This is where the family and today us sponsors and step guides and fellows need to have faith that alcohol or refined food is the final persuader. That's it. We don't have to force ourselves. We don't have to, you know, chase anybody down. They're going to come back. They're going to come back. And then when it says your family might object to when he goes on a binge, but unless he's in a dangerous physical condition, it's better to risk it. Here, my note is what's more important, not binging, not drinking, or getting to the truth? Uh, This is about getting to the truth of our real condition, which is our spiritual malady, which is, gosh, we're powerless. And if they need to go out there, the book thoroughly encourages it. It encourages it. And uh, how about that? Let's throw that out in the discussion meeting. Let's have that be a topic. Let's have a topic be don't don't eat and come to meetings. Well, let's see where it says that in the big book. <laughs> All right. Thanks. I'll pass. Thanks, Lauren. And this is Katie G. And I just wanted to reflect back on the bottom of page 90. It says, if he does not want to see you, never force yourself. Neither should the family hysterically plead with him uh, to do anything. And um, it, let, 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 it says, but urge him not to be anxious, for that might spoil matters. And it reminds me of earlier in the chapters, it says, frothy emotional appeal seldom suffices. You know, family hysterically telling me, Katie, you look like you have cancer and you're going to die. Katie, I can't believe you're behaving this way. Katie, you can't, you can't talk to people like that. And if you continue to behave in that way, we're going to fire you. Hey, Katie, you're fired. None of that works, you know. And, you know, the later examples were not necessarily frothy emotional appeal. But, you know, I, other people telling me what to do, didn't lead me to that place of devastation. Um, and in fact, it did, you know, frequently turn me off when people were telling me what to do. I was like, you know what, I'm going to run in the other direction. But the devastation of my illness 
you know, and the knowledge that, you know, Overeaters Anonymous was waiting for me. The 12 steps were waiting for me. Guess what, guys? God is waiting for me to turn to him. And the only way I can do that is to be cleared out by the steps was what, you know, was the knowledge that, thank you, God, brought me back. And I'm so grateful to be here. And it is 7.55, so we are going to stop um, the recording there and close the meeting with a reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. And I will ask Penny C., please, to read A Vision for You. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Penny C.? Penny? Okay, um, Michelle H., are you able to read a vision for you? Michelle H.? Katie, I'm willing to do that. Maura, I can do that. Oh, thanks. Um, I'm going to, Melanie, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you, and then Melanie, will ha- uh, Maura will have you welcome our newcomers. Melanie, please go ahead. Thank you, Katie. Good morning. My name is Melanie. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.